Welcome back to another episode of Hold My Bread. Another day, another dollar. Joel, how are you? Hello, folks. Gather up the gluten. You are with the breadheads. Welcome to Hold My Bread, the $908 podcast. I'm Joel Wachowski. Let's carbo load. Maddie, how are you? I am doing pretty well. I've had a pretty good day. I had a good Monday, had a good Tuesday, hoping for a good Wednesday tomorrow. Excellent, excellent. I love it. And just to keep our listeners abreast, we're talking Matt will be sounding better in the next few weeks. He's got a microphone being shipped out to him. Friend of the show, Sam Evans, is doing it. Our other friend, Jack Comstock, one of the worst comics you could ever see in your life, he was maybe going to mail it for you, right? Well, I was going to, I had asked Sam originally, and I was like, look, if you don't want to do it, I was like, I bet I could get Jack to do it, no problem. Sam said he would, so I might have, uh, I might have Jack do it if, if Sam won't. And I, I know listeners of the show, they are familiar with my poker controversy involving Mr. Jack Comstock. So I had, he owed, essentially, I won the game, and he wouldn't give me the whole pot, even though I won all the chips. And I was a little upset about that since they waste about two hours of my time. Agree to disagree. We fought all night. But Jack shipped me some stuff out to Arizona. Very nice of him to do so. And it was kind of pricey to ship. It cost him $33. So look out, Sam. But I just told him, Jack, take the 33 out of the 60 you owe me. We're good. <laughs> what did he say to that? Oh, he, he did not like that. But I'd been, I'm such a sociopath i'd been setting it up the whole time i think the whole world's watching the michael jordan documentary all right now and i've got the mentality towards jack comstock that michael jordan had towards life (laughs) you're just out in your driveway after dinner every night practicing how to get back at jack absolutely and like i came up with the plan i asked him to mail me the stuff there's other new yorkers who would have done it but jack was my mark all along and even though our investments aren't making money, you know, it's well within our rights to pivot to a scam podcast. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're, we're mainly in the market, but we're also in the market of just making money in scams, uh, you know, hoodwinks, uh, you know, perhaps a, a grift or two. Yeah, and times are t- tough. I know you have a little bit of money coming in. I don't have too much coming in. And the podcast, I mean, we're supposed to pick a stock every week. We don't really have the money to do it. The goal is to, like, build a portfolio and have it look a certain way because, of course, it is a piece of artwork. And um, I guess, since we're worth $908, like, in the coming weeks, I wonder if we shouldn't liquefy and start from scratch. Oh, you think so? Okay. Well, I mean – did we buy these stocks in this economy or have things changed? I mean, we've got a lot of good stocks. We've got Ford, we've got Lloyd's Bank, IBIO, Pinterest. But a lot of these, I don't know if we'd necessarily buy them right now. I and when we don't have money, I'd rather just kind of reinvent ourselves on the fly. Yeah, I'm not opposed. I'm, 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 I'm into this. I like the sound of this. Uh... Yeah, I mean, the, the landscape has changed, and it is no longer – it's not going to be the same, or at least it's not going to be the way it was when we bought these stocks for a long time, if ever. So, Yeah, and we're still – our portfolio, it's like whatever, Twitter's cool, Pinterest is cool, 
we hit on a couple smaller ones, but then it's just like, oh, we still have 35 shares of Amarin. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to take that to our grave. Never sell Amarin. Never. And we also own Marathon Oil, which um, was surprisingly unaffected by the oil prices. Well, they were already pretty low, right? Am I wrong? I mean, they were really low to begin with. How much lower can they go? I mean, obviously, they can just drop to zero, but... They're $4 and change a share, which is infinity more than what a oil future is right now. So I think they're doing pretty good. I um, Yeah, I'm, I'll be interested to see. I mean, obviously, I'm curious about how a lot of this stuff is going to shake out in the end. But gas prices, oil prices, all that stuff, is that, they will recover eventually, right? Or are we seeing the death of oil? No way, right? Uh, well, well, we could be seeing the death of oil. And let's get into that. Let's start there. I mean, yesterday, 420, April 20th, also my cousin Julian's birthday, so pretty good. You know your cousin Julian, also Hitler? Yeah, time will tell there. (laughs) He's also my nephew. Uh, He did ask what he wanted. I asked him what he wanted for his 10th birthday, and uh, he said he wanted an HBO Go password so he could watch Chernobyl. Oh, all right. Well, that's cool. A man of taste. Yeah, anything involving a gas mask, he's all over. He loves gas mask culture. Yeah, when he's older, he's probably only going to watch porn starring women dressed as plague doctors. Uh, Well, uh, as long as he's not going to be one of those weird pups, the puppy play things. Oh, that seems so fun. Innocent fun. Oh, no, it's it's disgusting. It's wrong. It's a sin. I don't support it. I like puppy. What if the puppy plays with a puppy? Well, that's the only puppy play I support. And if that's sexual, that's a whole other crime. Yeah, absolutely. So it's rare that like a stock market uh, case becomes like a, a, a mainstream story. And that's definitely what we saw with oil yesterday. So basically, the oil prices, not the prices themselves, but the futures contracts have fallen to negative prices. And this happened... There's a collapse in petroleum with demand from the lockdowns. That's dried up. There's a price war that we talked about between the Saudis and the Russians that just kind of flooded the market. And now, since we've been backed up, storage facilities are full. There's nowhere to put all this oil. And now, it's not like the price of oil is that low, but there's a futures contract that if you don't sell it, you have to take on all the oil. So how much oil are they sitting on right now? Do you know? There's millions and millions of barrels. And we there we are on a timeline where just Wall Street trading for firms might be forced to take on billions of barrels of oil. It'll be wonderful. They're going to be like, hey, uh, look, I mean, worse, you know, got some good news, got some bad news. The bad news is... Uh, or the good news is we can still pay you. The bad news is we're going to have to pay you in oil. I hope that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And like, why would a seller pay a buyer to take their oil? I mean, if you're a producer, maybe it's cheaper than shutting down production in the long run, or it's hard to find a place to store this huge supply that's literally bubbling out of the ground. And, and like, maybe shutting it down a well hurts them, hurts the economic forecast for the future. They're they free- put the oil back in the ground. Yeah, yeah. Just like a little pump, pump it back in there. Yeah, reverse the pumps. Or I know where they can store it. They can store it in the Gulf Coast. That's where they seem to be putting it anyway. Oh. Yeah, put it on a a baby seal's back. (laughs) Yeah, I know where we can store the oil on a seagull's wings. 
Yeah, and this is like, if you're in the oil industry, like this is something I imagine you can deal with. There are oil facilities. There is multiple uses for this substance that we've based our entire world around. But if you are a firm that bought a futures contract, you need to unload them. Otherwise, it's written into law. You have to accept the oil delivery. And that's why it's, they're giving it away at negative prices. It's like a... Um it's like buying an. It's just like buying an option, right? It's just they they're they're tied into that. Yeah. So the losing play in this option is you become an oil tycoon. So it is kind of win win to be on Wall Street. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna drink our milkshakes, you know. Yeah. What if they re-released There Will Be Blood Now? Uh, that one of my favorite movies. H.W. Uh, I'll be the I'll be the deaf kid. Yeah, and shout out to Paul Dano. He's uh, seeing him on the subway in New York All-Star. Whoa, what? Yeah, I mean, use Paul Dano. I would see him on the L train like once a month. He's always there. That's interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, real every man. He's around. He's hanging out. But yeah, I just want to see the cut of that film where Daniel Day-Lewis just ends up deeply in debt and he has to sell milkshakes to make it work. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Paul Dano, he's the face of uh, the face of milkshakes. He was so he that movie's great. It was a great movie. It was shot next to There Will Be Blood. Those two movies. I'm sorry. It was it was shot next to No Country for Old Men. They and then they went against each other for great best picture, right? Yeah, they were shooting next to each other in the same small Texas town that's actually causing these oil crises right now. And. At one point, the fire from There Will Be Blood disrupted the shooting on of the No Country for Old Men. It's pretty cool that such a big crossroads of Hollywood history happened in nowhere, Texas. That is cool. I mean, what are the you know that that small town was a boom town for a couple reasons during that uh, filming. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, so it's going to be such a fun story to watch these oil barons scramble. And a lot of people, they're blaming the Federal Trade Commission, which does regulate petroleum prices, and it exists to make sure nobody gets burned. But you know what? If we're getting into futures, that's this kind of like bloated late capitalism that big financial institutions never see any repercussions from. So I would love to see J.P. Morgan be forced to open up a chain of gas stations. Nothing would make me happier. You got BP, you got JP, all the P's. Yeah, absolutely. It's just going to be the Yemenis are going to have their stronghold in the industry. They're going to be facing off against the news upstarts from Wall Street. You love to see it. I mean, I, you know, who among us hasn't had their issues with the FTC? You know, I've had my uh, my problems with the Trade Commission as well. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm a normal man, I'm an all-American man. I've got my issues with them just like anybody else. Yeah. It's founded in 1914, not a positive day ever since. But it's, it's interesting that you talk about how this could be the end of oil because there are rumors that a new <laughs> Tesla battery is coming out. Oh, yes. I did not, uh, I did not expect this, honestly. I mean, we talked we talked a lot about Tesla on this podcast, but because um, they weren't they were they kind of shut down production, I thought, and then they're still developing through all this. I mean, it's uh, it's good. I, you know, as a stockholder, I love to see it. 
Yeah, and I know we have had some pretty cogent and intelligent conversations about Elon Musk and Tesla on this podcast where we both came off really well. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, last week was probably some of my best oration in a decade of talking for a living. That's a great word, oration. I love that. I I do the oration for the ovation, rocking all, all across this nation. But anyway, so the idea is that there's a new benchmark of batteries that they've been working for for a decade. It's the it's the hundred kilowatts hertz, whatever the measurement is, lithium ion battery. And the important thing is, is if this is successful, this is this reaches the holy grail of electronic vehicles. It's equal cost to a gasoline vehicle. So uh, if these oil barons aren't going to like – all the oil barons that listen to our podcast aren't going to like this news. Yeah, but what if this is the oil barons making oil so cheap Tesla can't com- is won't be as expensive as gas? Ooh, I didn't think about that. That's Yeah, how's, how's an electric car going to be as cheap as a gas car when gas is five cents a gallon? Well, I, I don't think people only buy electric cars because of the gas. I think they also buy them because they are nicer, they're they're – uh, quieter, they're more environmentally conscious. Uh, I don't think it's just purely a price thing. I think price does have to do with it, but I don't think that's. I mean, I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. Yeah, I think it's environmental concerns. I think uh, concerns. I think it shows that you are a socially conscious consumer, which is, you know, a two double-edged sword. But you know, Tesla, they have pretty good technology. My yeah, big, I mean. Um, they just started this new battery, and the batteries they already have in their Teslas, they're already leaps and bounds. I mean, Volkswagen, we've talked about this before. Volkswagen um, has admitted that their batteries, I don't know if it's Volkswagen, but other the other electric car companies out there have admitted that Tesla's batteries are leaps and bounds behind beyond theirs. And this new one is going to be even more. And Tesla's a great company. They've got a, a genius owner. But my issue with them comes as a lifelong cool guy, like... With tech, there's such an underlying lameness that even the greatest innovation and steps forward for humanity are just trotted out in such a unappetizing fashion. You can't help but roll your eyes. So how do you think Tesla is announcing this new revolutionary battery? Honestly, I don't know. If you asked me this a couple months ago, I would have said they're going to throw a rocket at it, but I really don't know. Well, they throw us an annual battery day that geeks out on the innards that drive their vehicles. So Musk told analysts in January that this battery day, it's going to blow your mind. I'm already thinking about this battery day, and it blows my mind. I mean, really, it's a great company, but a battery day, you're a Tesla stand. Even you can't get behind that. Yeah, a battery day. I mean, I I've never heard of battery day. In my religion, we don't acknowledge battery day. <laughs> yeah, I you, just don't know. No, and I for me, battery day is when I bring a couple of double A's to the ballpark and sling them at my least favorite ball player. So, <laughs> and I would argue that's a cool thing to do to throw a party in the celebration of like an energy efficient like breakthrough that's going to change an entire industry pretty lame in my book it's it is amazing that they can take something so awesome and make it so uncool yeah there's going to be a cake shaped like a battery there's going to be a booth where you can lick um 
The nine volts? Yeah, I haven't done that in years. Could well, be. I had to cancel that after the coronavirus. There'll be no licking of nine volts anymore. No licking of nine volts? Dang. Maybe we each have to lick our own nine volt. We each have our own. We'll walk around with a mask, a bottle of hand sanitizer, a water bottle, and then our own little nine volt battery to lick. That's what's in your gift bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I haven't checked my Tesla stock, but uh, I have no. You know, I believed in Tesla before all this coronavirus nonsense. I not nonsense, but you know what I mean. All this craziness. Uh, I believe in them uh, even after this. I mean, I, Tesla is the future. Yeah, if you're gonna call it nonsense, just be like, I don't know about this coronavirus hogwash. All of this hooey. If it's a bunch of hooey, if you ask me. <laughs> I know you're in the Midwest and you're upset being cooped up. Have you protested? No, I'm not. I haven't gone out. I've been I've been pretty good about being locked down. I mean, I go out every night and I say my prayers. I shoot my jump shots uh, before bed like everyone else out here does. But um, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. And um, just for those wondering, Tesla stock is six hundred and eighty two dollars a share, but it's down eight percent today. So you've seen some changes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and before all this hooey happened. Uh, you know, before the hooey kicked off, it was uh, it was almost a thousand dollars. So we mean, you know, we're all hurting out here. You know what I mean? Absolutely, we're all hurting, and well, we have nothing to do but sit back and watch Netflix. That's right, Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, all these streaming. They're gonna have a new HBO coming out soon, I suppose. HBO, they don't need to do anything. They've got the best stuff to watch. HBO Max, though, they're going to have a bunch of new original content, I think. They're going to have, like, Friends now. They're going to have uh, a bunch of – HBO Max is going to come out in May, and they're going to have a bunch of stuff. It's partnered, I think, with AT&T somehow. I could be wrong about that. So let's talk about the streaming war. So Netflix had their earnings reports today, and they reported 15.77 million new users. And that's double expectations, even with the, the COVID quarantine. And that brings us up to over 180 million users worldwide. They are winning the streaming wars. Who I wonder, interesting, uh, oh, has Hulu announced, do we know how many people like Hulu has? Um, they won't really do earnings reports because they have a parent company. As oh, right. But you just see it on the ground level, like, just from these sites, like Netflix's tech is miles ahead of the others. Like we did a swap this week. We traded. Oh man, we of all the things we could get busted for in this podcast, this should be what we get busted for. Yeah, this is what takes us down. We traded HBO passwords for Disney Plus passwords. And listener, take a moment and imagine who had who. <laughs> Matt had Disney. I had HBO. I got HBO to watch Veep, then Veep became free, I held on to it, but and Matt got Disney Plus to watch The Simpsons, they gave me this Disney Plus password, I'm used to Netflix, Hulu, it's buggy, but it's okay, HBO, you need high bandwidth, and this Disney Plus interface is just buggy, buggy, buggy. Yeah, it's not good, the, uh, the site is not great, and I have not watched, I mean, I truly have not watched anything on there except for the simpsons i think i rewatched 101 dalmatians once um 
because I liked that movie as a kid, and I was like, let's see how it holds up. But that just shows you what that Simpsons episode is based on. So even that's kind of like an episode of Simpsons. Exactly, 100%. So I watched uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I got to see the end of the Spite Store arc. That was great. Uh, I'm going to watch The Jinx. I've never seen The Jinx before. Oh, Jinx is fun. And HP, like, all these things are kind of settled in. But Netflix, like, you have a group of, like, people. Like, we're all quarantined with families. And, like, Netflix, it always has the, like, stuff you can throw on for everyone. I agree. Uh, Plus, they had all that Tiger King hype. They had three big uh, comedy specials drop within a couple weeks of each other. Netflix is uh, on top by a mile now. And Netflix, they don't have the live rights, but they do have the, they're going to be able to have the Jordan documentary in their doc, in their catalog in three months. I think it's already uh, on, it's already, I think they're releasing it uh, episodically in like Europe and stuff. I could be wrong about that, but I think. Worldwide they have it. So everything that's touched quarantine content, Netflix owns. Absolutely. And meanwhile, Hulu, they have the rights to all the live shit, but there's no live shit. And meanwhile, HBO and Showtime, you know, HBO, they're just kind of like the highbrow entertainments. They're good for adults. You want to throw them on at the end of the night and watch something a little more interesting than you have been with your family all day. Yeah, I want to see a boob, you know? I want to see a straight boob, maybe a little bit of, like, uh, some side bush or something. And HBO, like, I know they're expanding. I know they're trying to get a little bit more, but... They already have the best stuff. Really, if they just add friends to that catalog, that's all they need. Because, like, every person in their life, young people even moving forward, everyone's going to watch The Sopranos, everyone's going to watch The Wire, and everyone's going to watch Friends. Yeah, I um, I love uh, – yeah, absolutely. I mean, Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, it's got so much good stuff. Barry, the new season of Barry is going to be great. I'm very excited for that. Hulu, I don't like. Hulu is not. It's, Hulu doesn't have much. Plus, Hulu, you got to pay extra for no commercials. I'm not paying you for commercials. I'm not paying you anything for commercials. I'm not yeah, doing. Hulu is not about the content. It's about they have live sports done. Right. So before you go to watch the NBA, the NFL, and the Bachelor, if they have that, they're going to be just fine. But Disney Plus, like, I don't see where it goes. I mean, I agree. I think. I mean, they have all the Star Wars. They have all the Marvel stuff. Uh, I mean, you know, it's they are doing some things I think are interesting because there was that whole thing a couple of when this whole thing kicked off where there's movies in the movie theater that are dying because no one can go. So Disney released one of their movies that was out in theaters. They released it on Disney Plus to stream uh, within a couple weeks of it being in theaters. I thought that was interesting. I think that's a good move. Yeah, they're just locked into this, this thing like for like the most big budget capitalist stuff. Maybe if you have a kid, you'd go there, but as like a modern kind of sophisticated consumer, like I don't want to go around this clunky site looking for something interesting to watch. I've seen all these superhero movies. I've seen star Wars. If you're a fan of these things, you already own the DVDs. So I see why the company's struggling. That's a great point. Uh, That's a great point. Nobody's really going on Hulu just to browse unless you're a kid. I mean, I literally go on, I watch the Simpsons. I turn it on. That's it. That's all it's good for. I pay whatever I pay, like whatever, however much it costs. I pay that just to watch the Simpsons. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. And then it's usually stops halfway. It's buggy as hell. <laughs> what can you do? Yeah, absolutely. 
Meanwhile, I know you're on my HP Go, and I know it's been probably pretty seamless for you. Absolutely. Very smooth. I, I got the app. I'm, I'm casting it to my smart TV. Easy, no problem. Ooh. Yeah, it's very smooth. I feel like a, I feel like a genius when I do that. Um, not, not bad at all, brother. Well, so and people are ordering out. People are ordering in. Are you ordering pizza? Are you ordering food? Are you eating, eating like uh, food delivered? No, I'm I'm eating very healthy. I'm intermittent fasting. I'm eating lots of vegetables and meat. I mean, you can see me right now. Swole Joel's back, baby. You look great. I feel good. I've been eating a lot more. I've been working out. I feel like I'm putting on some mass during this quarantine. Yeah, I'm I'm cut again, and it's it's been fun to watch these like ethical companies get exposed, like. That clothing company, Everlane, they were one of the ethical purveyors of modern clothing. And you could buy something in their store. They would tell you where they got the cotton from. They'd tell you who designed it. They would explain why it cost as much as it did. Really nice business model. Worked in urban markets. Got a lot of VC money. Decent valuations. And it's making money. However, the whole clothing market and you should is hit a rough patch. And they were the first ones to lay off their employees. It got mm-hmm. to the point where Bernie Sanders is calling them out in the media for their labor practices. It's interesting to see how these companies have reacted to a lot of this because, you know, all these companies uh, put out the, you know, they put out the, they put on the face that they're they're a family company and they, you know, believe in their workers and they're here to support this, that, and the other, and. And then when something really kicks off and they really have to prove it, a lot of them are showing that they can't hack it. And they, uh, it's all talk and no show. Yeah, meanwhile, the government is doing million-dollar loans for small business, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, a huge chain store, is collected all the money. Unlike Shake Shack, they're keeping it, baby. Ruth's Chris, too. Insane. They're, that's like a place where one time I went to Ruth's Chris, I saw Tony Kanan. Do you know who Tony Kanan is? No, I don't. He's an, He doesn't really matter. He's an IndyCar. The only reason I know is he is because I'm from Indiana. He's an IndyCar racer. The Ruth's Chris is a place for the elite, and they're getting a bailout? Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, they're getting a bailout. They're keeping it. Meanwhile, all of their employees are furloughed, so they're not even staying open for anybody. I thought one of the reasons – I thought one of the only ways you could take the bailout is if you stayed uh, open and – I guess they still have to pay their employees. Uh, yeah, I guess they I guess they do, but it, that might just be for wait staff. Either way, not a good look from Roots, Chris. Shout out to Shake Shack, though, home of the best chicken sandwich in the planet. Ret- they got the money, too, and then they returned it. They got, what, $10 million, right? Yeah, ten million dollars. They got ten million, but then they returned it because I mean, it doesn't matter why they returned it, I guess. But they returned it um, because I guess they have some angel investor somewhere. They got they required funding somewhere else. I don't know where else, but everything I saw said they were they got uh, funding from somewhere else. So I'm assuming the guy that owned or the people that own Shake Shack probably have ten million. They probably were able to do that from inside. I would imagine. I don't know though. Yeah, and a lot of companies, they accepted these these loans, and, you know, it might not sound that problematic. It might be like, oh, Ruth's Chris is doing big business, but they take the money away from the people they're intended to be for. These are for small, strong, struggling businesses. 
Yeah, it, it made me happy to see that. I uh, I know there's a lot of uh, I know there's like a whole Shake Shack. Um, what is it? Shake Shack In and Out rivalry or whatever. And I had In and Out when I was in L.A. and I've had Shake Shack and I go Shake Shack every time. Yeah, it's not close. I'm out here on the West Coast right now, and In-N-Out has a certain reputation, but Shake Shack's a modern burger. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, there's truly not much else you can I – mean, it's 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 great. I love it. Uh, and this made me happy to support them, and I'll be happy to support them after this. Hell yeah. Don't go to Roos, Chris. I don't care if you're, it's your grandma's birthday. You can't be around her anyway. Absolutely. Exactly. What are you trying to make it her last birthday? Get out of here. I'll make you whatever they're going to make uh, there. I can make a steak as good as they can. If you give me their beef, I can cook it. Yeah, and, and it's, good. it's good. Go to one in Georgia when they reopen on the, in five days. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, that's what I'm going to – oh, God. Yeah, don't even get me started on that bullshit. Yeah, the Michigan protesters trotting out a swastika because they can't get their friggin' haircuts. You love to see it. Yeah, how am I going to get an uh, – how am I going to get the N-word shaved in my head if I can't go get it cut? Look, why don't you just lose 30 pounds and someone will actually care about your physical appearance? And that is advice for the average resident at these protests. Not a good-looking bunch. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's why they need these haircuts. They're like, I need a haircut. No one's going to fuck me. It's like, no one's fucking you before the haircut, you fucking idiots. Yeah, and like, you should do an experiment. I don't have Tinder. You should put up pictures of the protesters as your photo like crop them in so you can't tell where they are and see how long it takes for, for someone to swipe on you <laughs> okay yeah i'll definitely i'll do that i'll do that on uh, bumble tinder i'm gonna get on all the dating sites just to do that actually that's a good idea yeah get dates for a protester then if it happens be like hey good news you can take this woman to georgia it'll be great yeah she loves uh myrtle beach she's a real beach bum woohoo so what, what else we got going on? We got Amazon. This story hits kind of close to home to me. What, what happened, Matt? This is very interesting to me because the headline makes it sound like one thing. And then, it, I don't know, it's Amazon is using um, – that we all know Amazon owns Whole Foods. And they're tracking employee uh, like movement through heat maps and different tools to monitor which stores are most likely to unionize. Yeah, and my sister, she is a Whole Foods employee, and she's always talking to me like, oh, Bezos is tracking us, and I, I don't like them. They're watching me, and I'm like, okay, she's just at it again. She's worried about something no one should ever worry about, but it, tur- it turns out that Amazon is tracking Whole Foods employees. They really are. They're tracking them. Um, they're scoring the stores based on location uh, of where they are in the United States, where they are in the country, where they are. Uh, or where they are in the cities they're in, if they're in bad neighborhoods or not, uh, what kind of neighborhoods they're in, and they're tracking them to see which ones are most likely to unionize. But the thing is, they're claiming that they are doing that so they can help them. Uh, for what it seems like, it looks like they're claiming they're tracking them so they can help them. Help them do what though? Help them unionize. It seems like they want to help them with like um, the resources they need to to do these things. That's what they're claiming which is the thing that threw me off the most. In the article I read, um, it's it's powered by like an elaborate scoring system, which will assign like ratings to each of the stores. There's 510 stores. Uh, it's based on which employees are likely you know, to form or join a union. Um, they calculate it by like two dozen different metrics, uh, including like loyalty, turnover, 
racial diversity, um, calls they've made to like human resources, uh, even proximity to a union office. And, uh, if they've reported violations to the unions, uh, offices and things like that. Yeah. Any story you hear out of Amazon's mouth is a farce in this because as we well know, we're in the new economy and I think one of the great stories that will define our generation is going to be the unionization efforts of Amazon workers. It's crazy that they would ever anybody that would ever believe that. I mean, you can't trust. I don't. I don't trust Amazon. You can't trust Amazon at all. That's it's crazy because didn't we talk a couple weeks ago on the on the podcast about how they were firing people from Whole, Whole Foods for talking about that? I mean, it's. Yeah, they, we absolutely talked about that, and there were a lot of firings related to health concerns, and Amazon has no incentive to get people to unionize. Where did you see that they were trying to help them? In the article I read, I can send you the article, but the article made it sound like they were tracking them to see where they would be able to send resources. And uh, there's nothing about how they track them, and I do wonder, if I was in a union, I one of my first questions would be like, hey... Can you stop tracking me? Yeah, our number one, yeah, our number one uh, request is that you stop tracking us through heat. You know how the predator keeps track of his prey. That's how we watch you. Yeah, the it, it is kind of they are just judging it based on heat concentrations, and it's cool to see that Jeff Bezos uses the same technology as the predator. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for. Hello. You cut out there, Maddie. Repeat that last part. What you just made, I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Um, he, he's yeah. Laughing to himself. Are you good? Can you see me? Yeah. Can you, oh no. Yeah, I'm good. Can you hear me? Yep. Did you Did you do the predator joke after I did it? Yeah, but I kind of okay. reworded it. Okay. I just did it to make it clear. Yeah, I stole your joke. I ruined the show. Were you were you so upset you unplugged your mic? I closed my laptop. I had to open it up again. No, I don't know. I'm having issues with my internet right now. I'm okay. And we're back. So oh, we right. had a glitch there. Um, what happened was Matt did a joke. I stole the joke. And then he was so mad, I think the radiation from his anger came out of his brain and upset the Wi-Fi condition in Indiana. It's crazy how I have that superpower. It's not very good, but it's a power nonetheless. Yeah, maybe that's just an indictment of Indiana Wi-Fi. We'll see. Well, you know, it's uh, I'm surrounded by cornfields and uh, 5G towers, so what can I say? Do they, they like let you, do they let you watch porn on Indiana Wi-Fi? Yeah, we're not Utah. Hey, I needed to ask. It's I fair. Think- so let, let, let's get out of here. Let's talk about our favorite company. Always brings us so much joy. Talking yeah, they've about given us so much. They've given so much to this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, without them, I mean, we should really just call this the WeWork podcast because we work and they don't. Because a lot of their uh, things were not going well to begin with. And now, given this social distancing their whole business model is is just, I mean, what was the company? I can't remember what they're called. The company that lost, it's a Japanese company, right? Yeah, SoftBank. SoftBank, yeah. So SoftBank, they just kept taking hit after hit because of WeWork. Um, and they fund and that, WeWork, they fund Uber, 
they fund a lot of companies that are losing a lot of money at the moment. Yeah. I mean, this coronavirus, all this social distancing, that is the complete opposite of what we work once. I mean, their whole thing is, you know, you can't afford your own office, rent an office from us, come work. It's a bunch of strangers uh, going into office spaces and sharing spaces and very communal, the complete opposite of what we're supposed to be doing right now. Yeah, and they had, they had the issue a few right when coronavirus hit that they were offering people a hundred dollars to come into their business. Oh, right, I forgot we were going to get jobs just going into uh, WeWorks for a couple of days to get a hundred bucks, and now that's not even an option anymore. Yeah, they're they're going the oil road, seeing how that works out for them. And the thing is, like, they're just not prepared for a pandemic because, like. When their public offering came out, it gave it raised a lot of questions about how their business actually works. And so now a pandemic hits, there's no money coming in, but all their other income, all their payments are fixed. Like they still have to pay their rent, they still have to pay their vendors, so they have nothing to pay it with. Uh, yeah, it's crazy because it's like they didn't know how their business model worked when the economy was going well and things were going well. Now that the uh, things are not going well at all, uh, they certainly don't have a – they didn't have a regular plan in place. They definitely don't have a corona plan. Yeah, I mean it kind of reminds me – I know we're both New York City comedians of the demise of UCB. So, Abs- Oh, what a great segue. Absolutely. It, it is very similar to UCB, uh, except UCB was around for a long time, weren't they? Isn't UCB like eight years old, seven years old, something like that? UCB's probably like 15 years old and like – UCB and WeWork, both are companies with a very high opinion of themselves. They kind of, WeWork, they try an IPO with a stylized photography book. You know, UCB, you pay $400 to take their classes. They charge tickets to your shows, and you don't get a cut of it. I know as stand-ups, we performed at UCB a lot. And, you know, mixed reviews basically because they're just not a great place for stand-up. Right. I did a lot of shows at, at UCB East. Um, I did a lot of shows there when I first moved to New York, and then they moved to this new venue. I did a couple shows at the uh, Subculture. Um, I just did um, If You Build It uh, a couple months before all this uh, all this happened. So I've, I've spent my time. I never gave them any money. I mean, I did uh, um, drink their beer. I got some drink tickets from them. So I definitely got, I got some drink tickets in my pocket that unfortunately uh, are now useless. Wait, don't close yet. <laughs> yeah, I still have a couple drinks to to drink. Amy Poehler, no. Yeah. And like, well, they went down because they had to shift locations. They had a really successful branch in Chelsea. Then they moved to one in Midtown in the Hudson Yards neighborhood that everyone's trying to get to develop, but it'll never develop. Nobody goes there. And the rumor is that they paid they got a 15-year lease on that theater. Oh, my gosh. No way. I did not know that. Yeah, so they might be closed, but they need to they need to dissolve just to get out of that lease. Yeah, that's probably why they did it. They probably were like, all right, we can maybe hold on. And they were like, but if we hold on, we have to be in here for 15 years. And this well, is I wonder the- what happened to all the employees. Oh, they're done. Nobody cares about their employees. You can't have employees when you no longer exist. So it's the same as it's the same business move that Vince McMahon pulled with the XFL a few weeks ago. You dissolve the business. You no longer have to pay anything that's due. 
uh, it's like bankruptcy for your life. Yeah, it's the kind of ethical business you would expect from a company that paid an alleged rapist for no clear reason other than they were bad at communication. Yeah. It is funny how uh, the UCB WeWork, they both were just kind of slow fails. Yeah. And you moved and all that, and then WeWork just collapsed. It's just, it's wild. What a wild. Uh, yeah, now, and now WeWork, they have to work with more than 600 landlords to get rent concessions. Oh my God. I would love to be on the other end of those phone calls. Yeah, because their future liabilities are $47 billion. Nobody's yeah. going to want to come back to work. Few, what? Uh, Nobody's yeah. going to want to. I mean, that's crazy. They're, that means they're on the hook for that much. Yeah. And like if they don't, if they're not able to pay anything they put up as collateral in the loans, it's going to be taken. Unfortunately, Eric Newman's gone. So there's no chance the creditors are going to get his guitar shaped house. <laughs> or, his, or his planes or uh, the huge severance package they gave. Didn't they pay him a ton of money right before he left? Yeah. They paid he him. came out on top. He came out of this smelling like roses. Eric Newman and Adam Newman is an American hero. Meanwhile, WeWork is just struggling so hard to stay, stay afloat. They're saying that they serve essential workers in businesses like construction, scientific research, payroll, and like what scientific research is going on at WeWork? <laughs> Hey, that, that, that's. Do you remember when they found out if you put Mentos and Diet Coke, it explodes? That was actually discovered in a WeWork. Yeah, and they they have this outster. They decided to still expand. The only scientific research going on in a WeWork is if you consider economics a hard science. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, that's it's absolute. Uh, people just on their laptops being like, "We're scientists." It's like, yeah, okay, make the numbers dance. You know, figure it out. Yeah, and they're based so much in New York. While New York's getting slammed by coronavirus, now they are like overextended in L- Los Angeles with some of the most expensive real estate there is. And everyone's working from home. Even the people that uh, that that were working at WeWorks, so they're not going into them anymore. They've shut them down. People yeah. have things in the WeWorks that they can't get to. They don't even know if they want them anymore. It's a, it's a situation where it's like, yeah, I left my stuff there, and I might have to just leave it there forever because I'm probably not going to go back. Yeah, and the argument for using a WeWork is done. Hey, come share this business. We can all share the same kombucha tap. Exactly. Doesn't that sound great? At the time, it did, and now, no. Now people want to share a toilet seat with the same person. Yeah, everything is closing. WeWork will be giving you their own your send-off soon for JC Penny. The bankruptcy clock is ticking. They skipped an interest payment. Macy's is looking like they're going the same way. Neiman Marcus, the most expensive brand that my mom shopped at in my childhood. They're looking bad too. Your mom shopped at Neiman Marcus? Wow, her and Drake. Occasionally. Wild. It's interesting to think because back in talking about New York again, um, what was it that uh, that that department store that closed? Barney's. Barney's, yeah. Um, can you imagine if the Macy's and, and Herald Square closed? What will be left? There I will- mean, honestly, Saks Fifth Avenue is still there, but uh, as far as like 
you know, that Macy's is that's the original Macy's. They've got the the wooden escalators uh, from like the 20s. I mean, I can't imagine what would happen. I mean, if you if that just was empty, what would they do? That's so big. It's so much space. It would become a Dwayne Reed, just like everything else in New York. It would just be a Dwayne Reed, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts stack. Yeah, hopefully New York will be nothing but Dwayne Reeds by the time we get back. I heard they're going to turn my apartment into a Dwayne Reed, actually. Yeah, my biggest gripe with New York City is that there aren't enough chain pharmacies. It's too too hard for me to get my dick pills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everything is changing, but we'll be we'll be we'll stay there for you. These companies are bad, but Nordstrom's—they're selling off. They're staying open, which is good news for me because that's the only place old Big Joel Wachowski can find a pair of dogs for his size 15 feet. <laughs> yeah, Nordstrom. You go to Nordstrom Rack. Yeah, Nordstrom Rack. Anything to try on a pair of shoes—it's like heaven to me. Oh uh, man, I do. I miss a. I miss a new pair of shoes. I had to fight off the urge to buy those Jordans that dropped the other night. They were fresh. If I had the unemployment hit, I would have been there with... I shouldn't say that there are taxpayers who listen to this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, I've been very responsible with my money. I haven't thought anything frivolous. I've been buying alcohol, and uh, that's about it. I can't find anyone to buy weed from here in Indiana, so I'm running low on weed. So. Yikes. Yeah. What can you do? Times are tough all around. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, and like, I'm not spending any money because I don't have any. So it's really fun and cool. Matt, yeah. do you have anything to plug? Uh, I've got nothing. Um, I am going to do a uh, live stream on Twitch. I think it's going to be on Twitch. But uh, me and Monroe Martin and... Um, Ian Fidance and Brendan Sagalow and a bunch of comedians. I'm trying to get about 20 New York comedians on uh, Xbox Live. We're going to play Call of Duty on Xbox Live. We're going to play on Twitch, Mixer. Um, we're just going to live stream some some custom games. It's going to be fun. So if you want to watch that, uh, follow my Instagram for the information on that. Um, other than that, I don't really have anything to plug. Sounds great. I am Joel Walkowski. Joel Walkowski on Instagram. The Walkowski on Twitter. My Zoom game show, In Action. It had a great, fun episode out this Monday with the boys from Well Read Comedy. We have another one coming out Monday about Michael Jordan with Tommy McNamara and Tom Takar. That'll be on the Props Network, and I'll be plugging it on my social feeds. Meanwhile, my NFL podcast, Pilot On, will be dropping their NFL draft preview edition on thursday morning that's great nfl draft is so what is the 23rd yep it's thursday thursday the 20 wow i can't believe it's already almost the 23rd i guess it is the 21st today shit i don't even know what day it is um yeah so i I watched the thumb wrestling episode with donnie and his mom it's great i'm very uh very uh excited to watch these new episodes jokes on jokes on jokes that's great awesome all right well thank you for listening uh hold my bread at gmail.com hold my bread on instagram matt packet sucks on instagram uh, i don't think i said that before but uh, thank you for listening and uh good luck <laughs>